Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this series that's designed to take you deeper and farther in your faith than ever before. We hope that this next series will be an encouragement to you wherever you are in your faith journey. We'd love to hear from each and every one of you. Will you take a moment to go to branchlife.church and click on this connection card? And if this series speaks to you, we'd love for you to share it on your social media anytime in any way. Just click the link or the share button on whatever platform you are watching. Hey, stay tuned to the end after this talk, and I'll see you then. Right, if you have your Bibles, we're actually you can put your finger in two places as we jump into this brand new series. You can go to John chapter 2 and Ephesians 2. We're going to bounce back and forth between those new, uh, two things. We just finished a series called Hurt. And man, we had a lot of great comments from a lot of you in person and online who have watched that series. They've shared it with others who have gone through different seasons of hurt. And God used that series in a powerful, powerful way. If you want to catch up with that, you can go online anytime to the website or the YouTube channel, and you can see some of that information. We're going to jump into this next series about essential steps for, our, for a deeper faith. And then after this series is over, when we get into September, hold the date in September. We're having our fall kickoff in September. I believe it's uh, uh, the first Sunday after Labor Day. And we're launching a brand new series, which is going to be a new book study in Acts. And we're going to travel through the book of Acts together. We're going to give everybody a gift. You know, our our famous little journals will come out, but this time for the book of Acts. And so we're going to jump into that between there and and now and then. This is going to be kind of a special opportunity for us to think about uh, our next steps in faith. And I want to talk about the design uh, for this series as we get going. This series is based on a one-on-one discipleship curriculum called Next. And there's, there's an opportunity that all of us have here at Branch, and we want to introduce this to you, for you to sit down with a friend, with a coach, with a mentor, a discipler, who you can go through 12 weeks or 12 sessions together and learn what it means to go deeper in your faith. And each one of these sessions highlight an important essential for a deeper faith. It's kind of it's kind of the basics. I remember uh, growing up, I loved going to basketball camp. But for me, I, when I was a high schooler on a basketball team, our coach would take us a couple hours away to a college campus where kids from all over the state would come in for basketball camp. We'd have these high-level coaches that would teach us stuff. And we'd come to this basketball camp just super excited to like become better basketball players. And you know what they taught us to do at basketball camp on this college campus as we tried to learn how to be better basketball players? They taught us the basics. They taught us about dribbling. They taught us about shooting. They taught us about passing. And we did dribbling drills. We did passing drills. We did shooting drills. We did defense drills. And then we did Foul shots, lots and lots and lots of foul shots. As a matter of fact, you couldn't eat lunch until you made 10 foul shots in a row. I was hungry most of the camp. (laughs) 
Now, a lot of times we think to go deeper or to be better, we've got to learn something new or something fancy or something spectacular that nobody else knows how to do. But the opposite is actually true. You need to get back to the basics. You need to actually get good at what it is you're you're trying to learn, the skill that you're trying to learn, the fundamental thing that you need to build the rest of the tower on, the foundational stuff. And that's a lot about what next covers. It covers the foundational stuff. And no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, if you're exploring faith, this would be amazing to travel through. If you're new into faith or if you're coming back to faith, this would be awesome to connect with someone who's been there, done that. And even if you're just ready for a refresher, like I just need to focus on the basics, you can travel back through this together. It's designed for it to be done with another person or another couple Parents, you can do this with your kids. Uh, husbands, you can do this with your wives. Uh, coaches, you can have a, a coach, a, a, a student, a teacher can have a student, a mentor can have a mentee, a disciple can have a disciple. There's a lot of different ways that this can be done. This can be done in your small group or you can break into smaller units in your group. It's really, it's really an easy, easy tool to get back to the basics with. And so what we're going to do is we're going to travel through eight of these sessions on eight different Sundays, and we're going to put our own pastoral spin on them for you. And we're going to talk about why we're going to do that. You can grab the book, or even better, you can go to the uh, get the app, the Small Circle app, and all the same information is available for free on the app. So if you download the Small Circle app and you you go to the next, we're in the, there's different, there's different um, categories, but the next category is the one that we're talking about, which is the first one. You can follow along with the app or use that with a friend, or you can actually order the books. And if you can't get the app and if you can't order the books, write down on your connection card, I would like the next step guide, and we at Branch Life will get some of these for you and have them available. We have a few on hand now, uh, but even easier just to order them yourselves and have, have them uh, brought to you. They come within the week. So that's what we're working through, and that's where it came from. And here's kind of the, the assumption or the truth behind this series. You were not designed to walk alone. You were not designed to walk alone. I've talked about this a couple of times, and I always think about that, that History Channel series where they put people alone in the woods, and they see how long they can survive, and what happens is they go crazy. They go absolutely crazy. Like, they just can't, some people last for like two days, some people last for two weeks, some people even last for two months. But the, the people that last for two months by themselves, they're, they're, they're cuckoo nuts, right? Like, they're just a unique breed. Why? We weren't designed to walk through life alone. That's why solitary confinement is a punishment. It's, it's, it's something designed to kind of, like, make you not do things that you're not supposed to do. And so we're designed, and this is intentional in, in God's design for us, we're designed to be relational people. Uh, we say it at Branch Life all the time, we are better together. And this comes from a principle in the book of Ecclesiastes, verse, verse, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, it says this, two are better than one because they have good rewards for their toil. Did you know that you get more work done with another person? Now, I know it doesn't feel that way. When I would help my mom weed in the garden, right, and I was actually doing, make, doing more harm than good, she was probably frustrated and redoing all the work that I was doing, whether we were planting plants. But, but actually, you, you do get more work done with two than you do with one, with three than you do with one, and you can kind of times that out. I have a neighbor who decided that he was going to install the new laminate flooring in his house, and he was just going to save the labor costs, buy the material, and do it himself. 
We, we thought about the same thing down in our cafe. We're like, what if we bought the material and we just did it ourselves? And we saw how big the project was, and we're like, no, 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 we need to hire someone who knows what they're doing to do that. And at the same time, in my neighborhood, we have the same houses. We're in townhome community. My other neighbor did the same thing, except he bought the materials and hired the help. It was like twice as expensive. Now, my neighbor who hired the help, seven guys came in, and they got it done in two days. About three weeks ago, my neighbor who was doing it by himself started the project, and he's still not done yet. We've come in. He's like, I'm on this far. We're coming the next weekend. He's a little bit farther. He's going to get there, but it's kind of better to have more help. That's what this principle is. For if, if one falls, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to the one who's alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. We've invented things to help people when they fall down and get help from people, right? I've fallen and I can't get up. Why? You're by yourself. You need somebody else. So it's better to have two than it is one. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will stand with him. If you're in a fight, it's better to have more people than one. Unless you're Chuck Norris, then you can take care of everything by yourself. But... Two are better than one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And you can do this little test yourself. If you have long hair, you can pull a hair out, and you can take that hair, and you can snap it pretty easily. But if you take three or four hairs, and you twist them together, and you try to snap it, it, it doesn't break. It's much, much stronger. This is the principle. We are not designed to walk alone. And so in our spiritual journeys, in our lives, God has designed us to be a part of the body of Christ, to be a part of the church, and to connect with other people so that we can grow faster and go farther. And that's the point of this entire talk. As a matter of fact, in your spiritual life, there's two really important questions you should always be asking yourself. Who in this season is your teacher? Who's your coach? Who's your mentor? Who's your discipler? Who's helping you grow in your faith? And I don't care if you're celebrating your 90th birthday, you still don't know it all. You can find a teacher, and sometimes those teachers are even younger than you are. Who is your teacher, and who's pouring into you? And then the second question is, who will you teach? Who are you teaching? Who is someone that you're raising up, that you're pouring into, that you're giving life to, that you're partnering with so that you can grow faster, farther? I remember for me, like, weight loss was always a struggle. I don't know why weight gain is not a struggle, but like weight loss is a struggle. I really, really, really think God should turn that around. Like I just think it's not, it should be much easier if it was losing weight was not as hard. But for whatever reason, losing weight for me, big struggle. Gaining weight, no problem. I can do that all day long. And so I decided a couple years ago, with God's help, let's get on this weight loss journey. And, and I had tried over and over and over and over and over again. But now this time, all of a sudden, what happens two years later? Down like 70 pounds and it worked. What changed? Well, what changed this time was I had some teachers. At the beginning of my weight loss journey, there was two guys that agreed to coach me from a distance. Jim and Ken. And all Jim and Ken did is they said, Josh, we're here for you. We'd love to see you grow. If you have any questions, shoot us a, shoot, we'll do a, a group chat on Facebook. Shoot us your questions and we'll do our best to answer them. And then, once a week, every time you weigh yourself, you need to give us that number. Tell us if you went up or down. And that's all we did. 
Once a week, I had a check-in with them. I told them if it was two weeks, uh, two pounds up or two pounds down, they always said, what happened? I always told them. Then they said, what's your next step? And, and, or here's an idea for your next step. Literally a two-minute conversation. But that was life-changing for me, the impact that that had to have some teachers doing that with me. A couple months ago, then uh, uh, Tyler, who plays the cajon, said, Josh, I want to kind of get in on this thing that you're doing with these coaches. I said, all right, well, let's, let's get together and, and let's kind of talk through this and walk through this together. And so I started explaining to Tyler everything that my coaches had explained to me, and we started traveling the weight loss journey together, and now Tyler's lost 30 pounds. And it's been an incredible journey to see how does that happen. There's someone who I was learning from and someone who I was getting to invest in, and it makes a huge difference in your life. The same thing is through spiritually. You should always be learning from someone, and you should always have someone that you're helping to grow. And so who is it for you? Ask that question, and we're going to ask that question over these next eight weeks. There's different ways to do it for different people, and we're introducing you to this one. Here's our goals for this next series. Goal number one, we want to get back to the basics. We want to just get back to the basics. We want to look at the fundamentals. We want to look at the the essential steps that we all should have. What should we do as followers of Jesus on a regular basis that is healthy and that is good for us? In Acts chapter 2, 42, it says, When they started the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and of prayers. The basics. These are some stuff that we all need to be doing. So over the next eight weeks, we're going to talk about next week, Pastor Bill's teaching on prayer. You want to hear Pastor Bill talk about prayer and the impact that it has, so you need to be here. We're talking about the Bible. We're talking about fighting sin. We're talking about serving. We're just talking about basic stuff, community, faith, church, and and what difference it can make. So we're going to get back to those basics. We're going to do the dribbling drills, right? We're going to do the shooting drills. Then we are, we're, our second goal is to prepare us to teach others. A lot of us feel like that we, we are not worthy because we're not perfect at this faith thing to help anybody else grow in their faith. That just Don't believe that lie. You know enough to share with somebody else. You can work it out together. And so as a church, we have a dream that each one of us would be involved in helping another person grow. Helping people in our group grow, in our family grow, parents helping teens grow, spouses helping one another grow, uh, and building these relationships so that you're ready to, to step in and someone else and teach them about prayer, teach them about life, teach them about fighting sin, teach them about church, teach them about whatever the basics are. The Bible says in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples, and in that process is to teach them. It's an assignment we've all been given. We're all supposed to be teachers. And then in, in Ecclesiastes 4.9, we looked at this. The third one is just to encourage you in your discipleship relationships. We want to encourage you in these discipleship relationships to keep going, to make connections, and, and show you the value of these things. Because we have a dream at Branch Life Church that at the core of who we are, we want to be a church that makes disciples, that makes disciples, that makes disciples. Our goal at Branch Life Church is not that we would all just come and sit and soak and have a feel-good service and, and do a couple of good things, but that we would be involved in life transformation, and that would happen over and over and over and over again. To make disciples who make disciples, we want to see each and every one of you reach into the life of someone 
who needs Jesus to give them Jesus and see their life change when they accept Jesus for themselves. And then that person gives Jesus to another one. We want you not only to have spiritual kids, we want you to have spiritual grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-grandkids so that we can be seeing people grow because what this world needs is Jesus. And we have Jesus to give. And so if we can all, each and every one of us, it's not the pastor's job, it's not the professional's job, it's all of our job to be involved in someone else coming to know and grow in their faith with Jesus Christ. And we have so many people at Branch who are connecting with us who are hungry and are thirsty for relationship, for community, for discipleship. They want to be in these one-on-one spots. They want to be in these groups that talk about next faith. So they can, we, we get asked more, more often than not for people to say, just teach me how to pray. Teach me how to read the Bible. Teach me how, how to, to, to win and fight over sin. Te- teach me how to have more joy and more peace. And that's simply discipleship that we can all do together. Some of you guys have been saved for, for a thousand generations. <laughs> You've known Jesus for a long time. And you're asking yourself, what does God have for me? You might be asking yourself this question, why has God brought me to Branch? We've all been brought to Branch in the last three years. It's a brand new church. Why? I believe the answer to that question is this. God has someone for you to reach. God has someone for you to invest in. God has someone for you to mentor or to coach or disciple. And all of us, even when we're baby Christians, all of us have the opportunity to give Jesus to others. Who are you, teacher, and who are you teaching? That's the questions we're asking ourselves today. And and maybe someday you'll be able to stand next to that hot tub or whatever else we get to baptize people with, And you'll have the opportunity to see someone in your life, symbolically who was dead, now be raised to new life in Christ because you were an essential part of their spiritual journey and because of what God did through you, they came to know Jesus. That's our dream. That we get to repeat that over and over and over again. Here's one of those stories. My name is Caleb. Um, I've known Pastor Josh for a while, and uh, I'm good friends with a lot of the guys that attend Branch Life here. So, um, yeah, I've, I've known about Branch for a while, and I've been in and out uh, over the years. Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I learned about Jesus at a young age, um, and uh, I accepted God as my Savior around 10 years old. Um, since then, you know, I went to Conestoga Christian School and just learned about my faith and uh, how, what it meant to live out my faith. Um, and then around 16 or 17, I got sick and uh, I was depressed and suicidal. Um, and I kind of walked away from my faith. Um, over that time, I started working with Jeremy uh, and we had great conversations about Jesus. and. He was able to help me work through my anger and my thought process um, about what was going on in my anger towards God. Um, And throughout that time, I was feeling convicted in my actions and my thoughts, and I kind of felt God pulling me back. After a couple months, I decided that I I wanted God back in my life, and I took my faith seriously. After I graduated high school, I went right into the workforce, and life happened, and 
I kind of took my faith a little less seriously and fell into patterns of sin. And um, I tried to kind of get out of that and I wasn't able to do it by myself and I knew I needed Jesus. Um, and that's kind of where I, where I uh, decided, you know, it was time to get baptized and, you know, take the next step in my faith. Yeah, so in the water, I'm gonna have my dad. Um, he's been a great example of what uh, a man of God should look like to me. He's been loving, compassionate, understanding. He's guided me spiritually. Um, so I'm having my dad be in the water with me and uh, he's a great encouragement to me spiritually. Oh man, all God's people said, amen. Just, just being able to see Caleb's story over the last five or six years, to see different people investing and discipling him and him coming to this point, that's, that's really what it's about. But it's not done now for Caleb. He's going to keep going. He's going to keep growing. He's connecting in a group. He's connecting in, in church. And then he's going to have the chance and the opportunity to do this to others. We're going to jump into session number one this morning. And session number one is simply this. It's all about a new you. Week one is about your new identity. So if you have your Bibles, this comes from John chapter 2, the story of Nicodemus. I want you to run to John chapter 2, and let's read this together. Uh, The story of Nicodemus starts in John chapter 3, but before we get there, starting in verse 23, here's how this story of life change gets set up. In John chapter 2, verse 23, it says this, Now, when he was in Jerusalem, that's Jesus, at the Passover feast... Many believed in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. And he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew uh, what was in man. Jesus has just entered the scene, and he started to get people's attention because of the miracles that he was doing. Water into wine. Wow, right? walking on water, calming a storm, raising people from the dead. This stuff was miraculous. And so all of Jerusalem was abuzz, and everyone was trying to figure out, what do they do with Jesus? What's their next step with Jesus? And one guy who was watching this was a guy named Nicodemus, who was very religious, who had a lot of a kind of like knowledge about spiritual things, but he didn't yet know Jesus personally. And while Nicodemus was watching, we read in John chapter 23 that there were many people who were believing on the name of Jesus because they saw the signs he was doing. And maybe this is a part of your story. Maybe this is a part of who you are. I was talking the other day to a young couple, and they said, they said we believe in Jesus. Why? Because we've seen him do miraculous things. We've seen him do life change. We've seen him, we've seen him uh, enter into our lives and into our brokenness and to, to heal us and things that were not humanly possible. God did and through the power and the name of Jesus. And so they believed in Jesus. And this was happening, man. This was going on all over the place. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. What did he know about all people? He knew what was in man. Let me tell you about man, generally mankind. So women, you're not off the hook here. We're awful. (laughs) When God looks down into our hearts, he sees every hidden thought, 
He sees every motive. He sees every gripe and every ping of hatred. He knows our dirtiness. He knows our rottenness. He knows our sinfulness. And we can't hide it from God. We can't hide this this terrible stuff that we think we've kept in the background that nobody else knows about. We can't hide our, our secret choices that have been. God looks down at us and he sees right through the masks that we wear and the nice clothes that we put on and the fake smiles that we carry around. And he looks at our innermost being and he sees how dirty and broken we are. The Bible calls this the old man. In Romans chapter 3, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all dirty, rotten sinners. And I'm not saying this today to make you feel guilty or to make you feel shamed or to even make you feel surprised. As a matter of fact, probably nobody in here is going, I don't know if I agree with that. You're probably in here going, yeah, 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 yeah. Why? Because we know it. We know how broken we are. We know how, how kind of messed up we are on the insides. And we see it then all over our culture. Here's what the Bible teaches us about the old man or the old you. Number one, we are, our old man is dead in sin. We're dead, as the Bible says, in our trespasses and sin. The old man is a citizen of this world. We follow the course of this world. Anybody a big fan of this world? Like, like. Do you think the world has figured it out? Like, we know how to get along with each other. Like, I, I know my grandfather, you can, you can pray for my grandfather, by the way, 106. He's not doing very well health-wise. He, he may be close to seeing Jesus, which would be amazing for him. But my grandfather lived through World War II, right? And he, he's, he's known, like, this, this part of our lives where we were all in fear of someone just hitting the nuclear button and everybody just obliterating each other. He lived through the United States dropping the atom bomb on Japan. Like, how awful is that? And now we have wars and, and rumors of wars, right? We got, we got people shooting at, during parades, and we have, we have people shooting in malls, and we got kids being killed in school, and you, you just look at the newspaper, you, just, you can't even watch it anymore because there's so many horrible things that are happening in this world, and we all get to say, I'm citizens of this world, Right? Like, this is, this is what our, this is, if you're, if you don't follow Jesus, this world's all you got. I mean, this is as good as it gets. And you got to do the best that you can to survive and thrive in this world because our old man is just a citizen of this world. This is home. Our old man is broken just like everybody else. If you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 sums this up and it paints a pretty bleak picture of our old selves. In Ephesians chapter 2, it's starting in verse 1. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. That's another word for the devil. And the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of our body and mind, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We're pretty rotten on the inside. Have you ever wondered to yourself, why is it so easy for you to get angry? Why is it so easy for you to shout and say horrible things and curse the people that you love the most in this world? 
Why is it so easy for you to get so discouraged and depressed and down? Where, like Caleb said in his story, he actually thought about just ending it all. Why is it so easy for us to get addicted to things that are terrible for us? Why would we want to get involved in in actions and activities that will end up hurting ourselves and others? Why are there so many teenagers that are struggling with anxiety and cutting themselves and eating disorders? Why, Why is it so easy for us to fall into those things and any person that says, no, no, not me, I don't deal with any of that stuff, is, deals with lying. You can't admit the truth. We've all got this stuff, and it's super easy to fall into this stuff. Why? Because we're dead in sin, citizens of this world, and we're broken like everyone else. The natural man moves towards wrath and disobedience. And left to our own devices, we don't get better. We get worse. That's what Jesus knew about the old man. And so he said, hey, there's got to be something. Man can't save themselves. We can't work hard enough to kind of grit our teeth and power through addiction. We can't like power through depression and just will ourselves to take one more step and one more step. It just, it just doesn't work that. We can't solve our sin problem and our brokenness. But the blind can't lead the blind. So something greater than ourselves and outside of ourselves had to happen to transform us from old to new. And there was a guy in the Bible named Nicodemus who, who was feeling all of these things. And even though he was religious, he was going after something that he couldn't grasp. And maybe you've been there. Maybe this is a part of your spiritual journey. You realized that you, you wanted something that was just, you couldn't find satisfaction. You couldn't find peace. You couldn't find answers. You couldn't find truth in all of these different things that you were exploring. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, we look for everything and toil for everything under the sun. But it just doesn't satisfy Maybe you tried to find it in a relationship or in a marriage or in wealth or in fame or in a successful profession or getting straight A's or in buying nice things. And and you found out that those things let you down too. That was Nicodemus. He had given himself over to kind of the world's view of religion. But he saw this Jesus guy doing incredible things. And he was different than other people, other teachers, and other rabbis. He had a different message. He had a different personality. He had a, he had a different peace. He had a different joy. He had a different love. He was hanging around with like other broken people and was happy about it. And he wasn't all judgy and he wasn't all angry all the time. And, and so Nicodemus said, this Jesus guy has something that I want And even though his peers and his other family members and his his other neighbors had kind of rejected Jesus, Nicodemus, a religious leader, at night, kind of undercover, made his way to Jesus. And he had a conversation with Jesus back in John, starting in in chapter 3. And right after it says that Jesus knows our hearts, he knows our old man, it says in verse 3, chapter 1, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher. Come from God. The only way he could explain Jesus 
was to say that this Jesus must have come from God. Now, this is coming from a Pharisee who believed the Old Testament. He read the Old Testament. He knew about a Messiah who was coming, who would be the one that would save us from our brokenness and sin, who would take us out of this world and give us a, a, a nationality that was other than this world. And he says, you must be sent by God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Let me just give you, let me just give you something here. This is just bonus material. It's not in my notes. It, if you're walking with Jesus, there's going to be things that you will accomplish that people will look at you and say, there's no way you did that. There's no way Branch did that. There's no way that small group did that. There's no way that parent did that. That must have been something that came from God. And they're going to want what you have. There's no way you can be that loving and generous and kind on your own. That must come from God. There's no way you can have a great marriage or be an incredible parent in this world. The way that you're doing it, it must be from God. Jesus was shadowing God and he was representing God on earth. We have that same opportunity. In verse 3, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how in the world can someone be born again when he is old? It just doesn't work that way. And Jesus said in verse 5, Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Spirit, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and it hears its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus was saying to Nicodemus this basic truth, that unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The old man needs to be in the past, and you need to be born new. You need to be a new person with a new identity, a new creature, a new creation. You must have a second birth that comes from Christ. You see, Jesus wanted to address Nicodemus's most foundational problem that he was dead in his trespasses and sin he was broken and he was a citizen of this world and the only way to resolve that problem was to be born again now the word born again has been hijacked in our culture the word born again is being attached to kind of a quirky crazy weird evangelical fundamentalism that's out there that's kind of connected to politics and stuff. And so when some people hear the word born again, they go, I don't want anything to do with that. But when Jesus says born again, he's talking about a freshness and a newness of life that takes you from old to new. That's not of this world. It supersedes politics. It supersedes religious organization. It's a heart transformation that must take place. And there is a moment in your spiritual journey where you must come to this moment where you are gone from dead to alive, lost to found, and you are born again. It's a moment process that we all have to go through. And it comes when we realize with our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. In other words, I'm not God. God is God. I can't save myself. God has to save me. And when I realize that and I put my faith and trust in Jesus, the Son of God, then I'm born again and the old is gone and the new has taken its place. When did you get born again? 
When, when did you receive the power of the Holy Spirit? When did you realize you were so broken you couldn't save yourself, but that only God could save you? I want you to tell someone that story this week. Tell your kids. Tell your neighbor. Tell your spouse. Go over it again. Talk about your story because it matters. Because it's really the most important moment in your life. The moment that you were born again. You see, what God was saying to Nicodemus is pretty awesome. If God had perceived our greatest need was entertainment, he would have sent us a comedian or an artist. If God would have perceived that our greatest need was political, he would have sent us a politician. If God would have perceived that our greatest need was health, he would have sent us a doctor. If our greatest need involved our sin, our alienation from God, our profound rebellion, and our death, he sent us a savior. You see, God realized our greatest problem was sin and that we needed to be saved. So God sent us Jesus to save us from our sins. That's what it means to be born again. To realize that I'm not just following a good teacher, but I'm following the Son of God who has come to save me. And when Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, a sinless life. He died on the cross, a death we should have died, and then he rose again from the dead. And if Jesus rose again from the dead, he proved it once and for all that he is God. And everything he said must be true. Well, what did Jesus say? You must be born again. For those of you that are here and you're in the you're in a spiritual journey, and maybe you haven't yet realized that you need to confess your sin, believe that Jesus died and rose again from the, sin, and it, from the dead, and accept him as your personal savior. Maybe that's new news to you. Maybe that's something you've heard, but you never just grasp for yourself. Well, today's the day you need to decide to follow Jesus. If you have any questions about that, go to the gospel tab and check it out and do some business with God. Stay with us afterwards. Sarah or I would love to pray with you or any one of our worship team members or our prayer team members. We'd love to have this conversation with you or talk to the person that brought you. It's super important. If you're not sure if you're born again, today you can make sure you can even do it right now by having a conversation with God. Tell him about your sin. Tell him you're sorry. Tell him you believe Jesus died and rose again and ask ask to become a follower of Jesus. It's that simple. But it changes everything everything. And for those of you that know your story and you know you've been born again, let me remind you of the basics. You are new. The greatest, arguably the greatest two words in the Bible are back in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, we read through this passage that was really bad news. You are dead, in verse 1, in your trespasses and sin. You follow the course of the world, in verse 2. You follow the devil, in verse 2. You are among those that follow the passions of the flesh, in verse 3. You desire, you desire to follow after the body and your mind, and by nature, you're a child of wrath. And by the way, so is everybody else. But God. But God. If you have not circled Verse 4, verse one, word 1 and 2, circle them, star them, highlight them, underline them in your Bible. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved 
You've been raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not a work of your own. It's a gift of God. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good work which God prepared for beforehand for us to do for those that walk in him so what's this new birth all about new birth is a new life you are now alive in christ you have a new home you are no longer a citizen of this world you are a citizen of heaven unless you're born again you can't see the kingdom of god but if you've been born again eternal life and abundant life Forever with Jesus, new heaven, new earth is yours to inherit. You have a new family as the child of God. You can call God your father. And he calls you son and daughter. And you have a new value. You are treasured by God. In 1 Peter chapter 2.9, it simply says this. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's who you are in Jesus. That's the new you once you have been born again. Ephesians says the old has been passed away and all things are made new. Sin forgiven, a new citizenship, a new relationship with God. I was listening to an interview on a podcast today. I've actually sent it to a couple dozen people because it was so good. I listened to a leadership podcast, and I've, I've listened to these for, for years, this particular podcast, and this was the first time that he interviewed a celebrity. And the celebrity that he interviewed was a guy named Terry Crews. If you watch America's Got Talent, he's the host. He's the guy that bounces his chest all the time because he's got a lot of muscles. Like, that's Terry Crews. Like, that's, he was a football player. Now he's an actor, comedian, does all kinds of things. I actually rolled my eyes when it started. I'm like, oh, man, he's going to interview a celebrity. This is going to be bogus. It turns out to be, like, one of the best, best podcasts I've listened to in a long time. And Terry Crews tells his story about the way that he grew up. And he grew up in brokenness. He grew up with an alcoholic father who regularly beat his mother unconscious. And he said as an as a 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old boy, he was often escaping violence in his house. He said his mom had an equally bad addiction. She wasn't addicted to alcohol, but she was addicted to religion. And she was addicted to a pharisaical religion that said you can't, you, you have to wear certain clothes, you can't go to the movies, you can't, uh, you can't listen to certain songs, you, you have to always try to please God, and if, if you do something wrong, God's going to be mad at you, and he's going to send you to hell, so you've always got to do right things, because if you do wrong things, you're going to go, go to hell, and unless you get it, so now he was scared of his dad at home, and then he was scared of God everywhere else. And through different, different seasons of his life, he was challenged as he grew, and, and his life became this grand, famous experiment, yet he was still hiding stuff in his, in his past, but he never lost his faith in God. As a matter of fact, his faith in God grew stronger, even though he was abused by family and abused by the church, and we talked about a lot of that stuff in our Hurt series this last conversation, this last couple of weeks, and the, the interviewer said to him, Terry, why do you still have faith? 
Why, why do you still go to church? Why, why do you still lean in to your relationship with your pastor and other Christians after you've been hurt so badly? And Terry said, I'll tell you why I still have faith. Because even though the church that he grew up in was a horrible, painful experience, he realized that it wasn't God who broke his church. People did. It wasn't God who broke his family. People did. It wasn't God who broke this world. People did. The problem isn't God. The problem isn't the Bible. The problem isn't church. The problem isn't prayer. The problem is people. And people are sinful and broken. And we do sinful and broken things. And we do those things to each other. And then we blame God. And we say to God, God, why is there war? Why is there murder? Why is there shootings? Why have you not done something about this? And God says, I have. I'm fixing the problem of people. And I'm fixing it one heart at a time. And Terry said, I put my brokenness and my faith in God. And that's where my peace and my joy and my rest comes from. And I've found a healthy church that points me to that loving God and encourages me to, to love other people. And I've gone all in with my relationship with God. And he's still fighting the old man like we all do. He's still fighting those old temptations. But he's got the power of God working on his side because he has put his faith and trust in God. And he's been made new. You see, God is out to solve the people problem that we all have. We're broken people full of sin. And when we are born again, we have access to life change that creates something new. And here's the, here's the moral of today's talk. Because you've been born again, you now have a relationship with God. The all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God of the universe cares personally about you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to be involved in your life. You can know him and grow in him and become like him. You have a relationship with God. And it's not possible until you were born again. That's a life-changing truth. That you have access to the God of this universe. That makes any thing possible how broken are you god can fix it how broken is your marriage god can fix it how hopeless is your diagnosis god can heal it how lost are your friends and neighbors god can save them how dark is it now god can bring in the light with God, all things is possible. So why then do Christians have access to peace and joy and love and hope? Because we know God. You are new if you have been born again. You've been saved, you've been changed, and you've been transformed. And now you can be in a moment's notice in the presence of God. It's why we worship. It's why we gather. It's why we pray. It's why we sing. It's why we read the Bible. Because we need to know this God better. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have ever.
lasting life. So in this morning's talk, as we get ready for this series, I, wanna, I want you on the cards to respond, if you're ready, with this thought. Are you ready to disciple another person? Is that something that you desire in your heart? If you know God and you, you've been praying, you've been reading your Bible, you've been faithful in connecting with church, are you ready to invest in someone else? And I just left it blank because maybe God is sharing with you exactly who he's calling you to invest in. Maybe you know a name, maybe you know a person, and you're going to take steps over these next eight weeks to intentionally connect with someone that you want to teach, that you want to train, that you want to disciple. Maybe it's one of your kids, maybe it's your neighbor, maybe it's somebody from your small group. But maybe you don't know who it is, but you know the category. I'm ready to disciple another man. I'm ready to disciple another woman, a young mom, a young dad, a newlywed. As a husband and wife, we'd like to disciple a younger husband and wife. Maybe you're a teen and you want to disciple another teen. You would love to be used by God to help someone else in some sort of category grow in their relationship with God. And maybe you're here and you say, I'm not ready to disciple. I want to be disciples. I want, I want someone to coach me. I want someone to teach me. I want someone to invest in me. And you're, you're a young woman and you're a young man or you're a teenager or you're a, new, a, a newlywed couple or maybe you're a senior saint and you're ready for someone to invest in you. And, and here's, here's our plan. Over the next eight weeks, we want to put disciplers together with disciplees. We want to put people, coaches together. We want to put students and teachers together. And we want to help you start these relationships where you can say, hey, I'm all in. And we've got about eight weeks left in the summer. There's, there's 12 sessions, and there's no, there's no, these aren't complicated. You could do two a week, and you could begin a great relationship. Maybe you're alone in your spiritual walk, and you're just simply ready to, done, to not be alone anymore. And God says, hey, pray about who could you teach or who could teach you. These resources are available for you, so I don't want to forget that. I want you to jump online and download that app and start poking around this week, and then join us next week as we go into week two, where we answer the question, teach me how to pray. Let's pray together. God, as we've been in these moments thinking about the new us, the transformation that's taken place in our heart, we can't be help but be filled with joy. That God, you, you have our brokenness, you have forgiven us of our sins, that our life has been made new in you. And today, I just stand in amazement that you've saved me. God, that you've adopted me, that you've transformed me. And God, that that transformation power has been spread to other people in so many other ways. I thank you for Caleb's testimony of faith that we talked about today and his new life and him taking the step of baptism. And I, I pray, God, that all of us would be ready to take these next steps. Lord, that you remind us of the basics, that you didn't encourage us to make relationships that, that help us grow closer in our faith. And God, that we would be a, a part of the spiritual journeys of one another and be better together. I, I pray your hand of blessing over these next eight weeks as a church, that you would help us to be ready to make disciples who make disciples. In your precious name we pray, amen. Well, thank you guys so much for being here this morning. Thank you for joining us online. Don't forget to fill out your connection cards and submit them before you leave. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you can take some of the things that we talked about and use them in your spiritual journey. And again, if this has been an encouragement to you, go ahead and share it online. Don't forget before you leave to go to branchlife.church and fill out your connection card. We'd love to hear from you, particularly if you took a step of faith today. 
We'd love to know that. You can do that all on this connection card online. We hope you'll join us for the next episode as we talk about the next step that'll take you deeper in your faith. Have a great rest of your day.